Hi, my name is Glenn Friedman. I'm the CEO of Prager Medicine International, Prager Medicine CPAs, and we're here today to enter the C-suite. I'm going to kick it off with uh, my previous co-managing partner, David Nesty, and uh, a young man that came to us, well, I'll let him tell you how long ago, but he's, to me, he still seems young, um, but he's probably approaching uh, middle age, maybe. I don't know. I could have just insulted him, but that's Mark Speck. And so with David and, and Mark, we're going to be discussing sort of what the profession has meant to uh, different generations, and I really want to to stop and thank the uh, NJBIA for uh, hosting this conversation. So, uh, Mark, David, welcome. Thank you. So, so we obviously um, do really have two generations here. I, I don't know, David. What what generation are you considered? I'm a baby boomer. A baby boomer. I guess uh, we're we're of uh, of like minds here. And Mark, what what generation are you? Uh, for better or worse, I fall into the millennial generation. Millennials, okay. <laughs> so I can't keep track of all the generations anymore. But it is a, a fact that in an organization today, uh, we do have many generations working together. And, and, and those generations bring different cultures, aspirations, expectations, and work ethics. And um, it, it, it's been very interesting to me to, to sort of see them all interact. And, you know, sometimes older um, individuals have different expectations of what younger people bring to, uh, to work on a daily basis. So it'll be interesting to explore some of those things. But for David, somebody who's, who's you know, come to the end of their um, accounting career, if you will, um, talk to me a little bit about what that career um, meant to you and your family. Well, it was, it meant a lot, um, I tell you, and it was not a real simple road uh, all the way along, but uh, right out of school, I started with accounting, which um, nowadays is not quite as much, but back in, back in the day, 40, 45 or so years ago, accounting was a very hot uh, topic for graduates. And I started with a firm, a small firm. I, I say small, it had 800 staff, but it eventually became a big four, one of the big four. And that's where I kind of cut my teeth on it for five years. I was uh, with the accounting firm, uh, both in audit and consulting. I ended up uh, leaving and going with a client. And then six months later, I ended up buying that client uh, in the retail space. So I started working not in accounting, but in actual retail in the Midwest. And uh, I had an opportunity to sell the store, multiple stores, and I came back to Los Angeles and started my own accounting firm. And so that was uh, quite a bit different than working for, at the time, a big eight firm. And then uh, coming back and starting my own firm, which, which was just me um, on the kitchen table. And eventually I hired staff and I rented an office and grew and uh, eventually merged into a larger firm, which uh, ultimately led me to uh, Pregramatis in uh, about 12 years ago. Is it fair to say it wasn't a straight line? No, it was not a straight line. There were a couple years where I was the lowest paid person in the firm by far. And you just kind of suck it up and you do what you need to do to grow the business and you keep reinvesting the, the revenue. 
back into the business. So there's very little for the sole proprietor. But I think that's pretty typical, and that was typical of clients. So it was kind of a shared experience. So a lot of sweat equity. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. And, and so, Mark, um, your experience. So, so first of all, some folks might not know this, but Mark, uh, Mark's dad is a CPA and a partner in in, in our accounting firm. Um, and Mark entered the profession. And Mark, could you tell us why you didn't follow your your dad into his role in the profession? Lifelong warnings. You know, every tax season, my, my father would come home and say, Mark, don't be an accountant. So uh, lo and behold, I ended up working in conjunction with an accounting firm anyway, albeit in a slightly different role. But, you know, I, I was looking for something. I think my personality is maybe a little bit different and wealth management uh, allows me to be a little bit more entrepreneurial, I would say, um, as opposed to the accounting path. Um, and it just seemed like a, a better fit for me. What was your um, journey to date a straight line? Oh, absolutely not. You know, I, I listened to what David says about his career. And I think the theme that we'll find is nobody who has had a successful career has gotten there easily. You know, I came out of school right after 2008 in the great financial crisis and trying to get a job in the financial industry after 2008 um, was needless to say pretty difficult. So, you know, through uh, some fortunate introductions uh, from my father to at the time uh, Metis Group and the financial planning partners that were working with Metis Group at the time landed a job as uh, an assistant with the financial planning team. And I was hungry. I was willing to learn, willing to, you know, take a back seat, get licensed and study everything that you need to do to actually operate in this industry. And, you know, over the past 13 or so years, we've had different partnerships um, with different firms. Um, and there's been some, some scary times and there's been some really good times. And, you know, almost like a graph of the stock market, it goes up and down, but thankfully the trajectory has been up and to the right, as they say, over the past 13 years. So, so let's talk about setbacks and challenges, Mark, and we'll stay with you and then go to David. But talk about those moments of both frustration and deflation, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, especially when you're young and you're new in the business. You know, you're looking towards people who are older than you, who have been in the business longer than you for guidance. And a lot of times you're fortunate to get good guidance and sometimes maybe not so much. And when you're not getting good guidance from the people who you're looking towards as mentors, you kind of feel lost. You know, you, you can't trust yourself because you don't have your own experience yet. And so you don't know where to turn. And sometimes you figure it out along the way and you teach yourself. You know, I, I've been fortunate to have good partners, not directly within the wealth management side of the business, uh, on the accounting side, for example, uh, who have been very supportive. and. You know, I was in a good spot to be able to take the time, learn, you know, I was not in a pressure packed position. You know, I was young. I, I wasn't providing for a family. I didn't have a mortgage to pay for. You know, the, the circumstances worked out in a way that allowed me to take the time to make it work as opposed to be forced to, uh, you know, maybe even leave the profession to go find something uh, with more immediate satisfaction. 
How much does it take to punch through some of those things and stay with it? It's very hard. Uh, you know, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in the people around you um, and trust the process. Um, but it's it's not always easy for sure. And I know David never had any sleepless nights, but uh, <laughs> maybe David, you could share some of those challenges. Well, no, I, I agree completely with Mark. Um, if you have that drive and that energy and you want to succeed, you start start out on a path and you have a goal and you want to reach it, you will reach it. It just sometimes takes longer than you originally envisioned, but it is a lot of hard work. And there are times when friends and family are telling you, you know, maybe you ought to think about something else. You know, it's kind of like uh, somebody wants to be a struggling musician in the garage band. And they think they can make it. And you hear everybody telling them, why don't you get a real job? Well, I had a real job. It's just that it was growing. And uh, one thing I, I did learn in 1980 when I bought the retail chain, from that day forward, I had it in me that I never wanted to get a job where I had to work for somebody else. So that was the spirit and, and drive that kept me going, even if I was working till midnight or, or getting up early until I could build an organization to actually do most of the work. In those initial years, you're doing pretty much everything. And um, you learn a lot. You really learn a lot and you, you continue to learn as you grow. And the more you learn, the more you uh, can adapt to things as they come up, um, you know, to be successful. So do you guys think these are universal experiences that anybody trying to be successful in any uh, walk of life um, would encounter? Yeah, I think it's all hard work, totally, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How I do you, um, go ahead, Mark. Well, I was going to, I think there's very few people who are handed any sort of position of success, right? You, you earn success by working your way up. Mm -hmm. um, and as David mentioned, you know, you, you start at the bottom, you learn all of the different parts of your business. And I think that makes you better when you reach, you know, those higher positions, you know, you know what the staff that you eventually uh, start working with is dealing with and, um, I think it makes you a, a better leader. Do you think you learn more from your successes or your failures? That's a good question. I mean, I think the obvious answer is failures. You know, I think, you know, I'll speak for myself, but this is probably true of, of anyone who's building a business or, you know, has any sort of success within their careers. You could have a hundred successes, but the one failure is what's going to stick with you. And you're going to think about that and you're going to analyze it. Um, and I think that that shows that you care. Uh, and hopefully you learn from those mistakes. And, you know, they're not even always mistakes. Sometimes they're not even your fault. Um, but things don't always work out perfectly in business. And, you know, you learn how to, you know, hopefully make some adjustments for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that it's the teaching moments are the challenges, the disappointments, the failures, the successes, I think, have a tendency to make you a little complacent. You think, you know, this is easy. It's always going to be like this. But those uh, those failures or disappointments are the ones that drive you so that you won't let that happen in the future. I, I, I don't know who it was, but I'll attribute it to Quincy Jones, for the lack of anybody else. I think I heard him say that the successes will take care of themselves. It's really the failures you have to learn to work through. 
And uh, I, I totally agree. I don't even think you can have success without failure, to be honest with you. T- tell me, Mark, what, what economically has, has the profession allowed you to do for yourself and your family that, that you would view at this stage of your life as a reward? I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate, I would say, you know, to be in the position I'm in, uh, you know, in, in my mid-30s. Uh, you know, I have a house, I have a wife, I have two kids. You know, I'm able to provide for the family. I'm able to save money for my kids' future college. We're in a pretty good spot financially, and uh, it it makes life easier. And when we talk about the definition of success, I think a lot of people think financially, and they think monetarily, having material things and toys, and you know, yeah, we have some of that stuff, and and it's fun to enjoy, but. To me, it's time, you know, having financial success allows you to have more time, you know, to not be grinding and, and working long hours and, you know, not necessarily be working on weekends and spend some more time with your family and watch your kids grow up. And, you know, certainly post the pandemic, you know, with more remote remote work, seeing my kids on a daily basis for many more hours than I would have. Uh, commuting into New York City every day. That's That's been very rewarding. That's interesting. Um, I think, and we're going to go to David because I really want to hear what, what it's meant to him. I, I, frankly, I know that both of you um, have some comforts that others might not, and, and it, it's very nice to see. But you talked about time. I don't think that the difference between millennials and baby boomers perhaps is, I don't think baby boomers thought as much about time as uh, a definition of success. What, what do you think of that, David? Probably not. I think uh, every generation has a little different take on on what's important to them. But I, I agree with Mark. Uh, accounting industry has totally given me the security going forward that I know I can uh, all live a comfortable retirement. And uh, through however long that is, I'll be fairly comfortable. And I'm very happy about that. But But probably more important, or the people that I met. I look back and I, I was looking at uh, cleaning out a storage area, some old Rolodexes. Uh, you know, there's thousands and thousands of cards of people that I met before everything became digital. And then I look at LinkedIn and, and uh, contacts and there's another thousand or so uh, contacts there. But a lot of these people are my friends. They become my friends and I still talk to them quite a bit. And uh, I met them through my job, through my work. So it really, it really yeah. is a rewarding career, I believe. Yeah, at the end of the day, it is about the relationships you make. I, I feel the same way as you do, David, that uh, I couldn't have picked a better uh, path when it came to having experiences and meeting people and sharing experiences. We've really been blessed. I, just for those people that don't know what a Rolodex is, <laughs> um, it's what folks like myself and David used to keep people's phone numbers on. And yeah. addresses pre pre uh, computers, yeah. um, which is pretty funny that that for some people you need to define these things. But anyway, I, I really enjoy having both of you here. I, maybe you could both leave with sort of a, a little uh, tip for what you think young people need to think about while entering any profession. David, what do you think? Well, for one, make sure you find out some find something you enjoy. If uh, if you're in something for other reasons, such as uh, the opportunity or 
the financial rewards or something, but if you don't really enjoy it, you're you're not going to be happy. You're ultimately you're not going to like doing what you're doing. So you have to find something you enjoy. And I'll say this about the accounting industry: through thick or thin, recession or boom time, accountants are always needed. And just to have the background, whether you stay in accounting as a career or whether you just use it uh, in the beginning to do some, get some learning and get some good knowledge, it'll help you no matter what field you go into. It's a, it's a basic knowledge that is really important to uh, being a business person. That's, that is a really good tip. How about you, you uh, Mark? I would say patience. Uh, you know, it, we're in a generation and you know generations that have come after me where instant gratification is something that people seem to really look for and it's just not often realistic you know don't get into a career and then start measuring your success against people who have been in that career for 10 or 20 years already uh these things don't happen overnight You've got to put the time in. It can be frustrating. Um, it can be discouraging at times. But like David said, if you're doing something that you like and you enjoy, you're going to be good at it. And if you give it the time and be honest and and hardworking, then it'll pay off. But it, it's not going to happen overnight. Well, that is great advice. So with that, I want to thank David Nesty, Mark Speck, New Jersey, BIA, and um, you've been inside the C-suite. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Glenn.